Hello, hello, hello. My name is Abisoe Akeola. I also go by Abby. Thanks to my Canadian new culture. And welcome to yet another episode of the Hangout with Abisoe podcast. And today I'm not alone and I'm excited because I have my guest host and dear friend, Mrs. Nut, drum rolls. <laughs> <laughs> I have missed her. I'm going to talk like she's not here. I have missed her <laughs> on the on the last series. On uh, I've missed her on a couple of um, episodes on this series. And I if you're a listener you. to this podcast series, you will know that Mrs. Nut is the yin to my yang. And Petra <laughs> just experienced that too. So, Mrs. Nut, how are you? I am good. I miss you too. What's going on? Okay. Nothing much. Well, something interesting is going to go on tonight. And so, but we're not doing this alone. And for the very first time, we're actually going to be three people having this conversation. And I'm excited. Um, Today, we're going to be discussing, yes, a very important topic that is dear to our hearts. That's myself and Mrs. Notch. I can speak on her behalf, although she's here. (laughs) (laughs) And I also believe it's very relevant to most of the listeners on this podcast series. our VIP guest today, not that Mrs. Notch is not VIP, she is, but our VIP guest today, are you smiling, Mrs. Notch? Because I, I, I was trying VIP. to control myself. <laughs> I didn't know you heard that. <laughs> I heard. So our VIP guest today, not that Mrs. Notch is not VIP, is our dear friend, Petra Anago. I should have asked, Ooh. but I think I pronounced it right. You, you did. It's Anna okay. Anago, I think. <laughs> Hi. Anago. This is actually Anago, Anago but, mm-hmm. but so the Nigerian way is Anago. Okay. <laughs> yes, Anago. Okay. Canadian so we... say Anago. Thank you. Oh, okay. So we have <laughs> oh with God. us today. <laughs> Mrs. Notch, can you hold it and let me introduce the topic? Hmm? Just got hold it. it. Got it. We have got with it. us today Petra Anago, um, a certified early childhood educator with a background in business administration and psychology. So we are talking serious business today. In this episode, we will be discussing child development and education for immigrant families and how to navigate this part of our immigrant journey. Most of us took the leap of faith with a vision or a goal of giving our little ones better opportunities here in North America. I know I did. And so, welcome on this episode, Petra and Mrs. Nutt. How are you both doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for asking. I'm feeling pretty good to be here. Nice to talk with you ladies and sit down and have adult conversations. Yeah. Oh, yes. Adult conversation. I like that. I can imagine. Both of you are in Ontario area, right? So you've been on lockdown and stuff, right? That yeah, is correct. Gosh. Oh, oh I bless. I bless my new Brunswick. <laughs> we still do in school, but that's ending very soon. So, um, so let's, yeah, I know. Or let's just go into the topic that we have today. Um, so Petra, you're going to be on the hot seat that I did warn you before coming. On. So Petra, do tell us, with this, with the pandemic forcing most parents into homeschooling and engaging our children, how do we even start to approach this? I mean, what's the mindset that we should adopt to even start to think? Because a lot of parents are pulling out hairs, literally, on mm-hmm. finding out how to engage our children. Petra, um, you have the floor. First, thank you so much, Abby. Um, 
first things first, we as parents need to understand that um, there's no really, um, there's no great expectation. None of us were ever prepared or coached for a pandemic. So we also mm-hmm. give ourselves a little bit of grace, just knowing that we are all entering into a novel situation. Even parents who have been homeschooling for decades are still thrown into this as a shock. It's very different from what is expected. Children are not able to meet up in person. You can't have your regular social circles. You can't have your children off in school. Your job is interrupted in some way, shape, or form. You know, it's a novel situation. So first things first, give and extend grace to yourself, you know. We're all doing the best that we can in this situation. Thank you. Mrs. How are you feeling about that? Are you giving yourself extended grace? I'm so encouraged by what she just said because I've been quite hard on myself. I feel like I'm failing in my new teacher stroke homeschooling role, you know, and juggling everything is just a lot. And I guess I haven't been gracious to myself. So thank you for that. That's really encouraging. You're most welcome. It's something we ought to remember just day by day that we do the best that we can in the 24 hours that we're given. And the next day, guess what? You get to try again. So it doesn't all end. You know, your children's memories can be replaced. They can learn new things. They can learn in new ways. They can wake up tomorrow and something that they struggled with the day before, it just clicks because they are older, they are stronger, they are smarter. So extend yourself some grace. And if you find that your kids are struggling in an area, um, really give yourself that grace and that time to find out exactly why they are, what you can do differently, change a change of environment, whatever the case may be. Um, hmm. That being said, the mindset to come into this is just know that you can do this. You know, you're the child's parent, so you're the child's hmm. first teacher. Before the child met anybody else in this world, you are the first person who began to impart things onto this child, even right from the womb. So know that you are enough for your child. You are Mm. equipped for this season. You already, all the tools that you need, you already have them. Everything Mm. else is supplementary, but you have the bones and the brain work to get this ship going. So that's Mm. a first mindset to have. Mm. Mm. Officially, I love Petra. Officially. Officially. The feeling is mutual. <laughs> so so I like something that you said, and I know that we have plans of what we wanted to say, but something you said just struck me. You said the memories are replaceable mm-hmm. and they're getting stronger every day. Because sometimes I, I almost beat myself up and feel like I'm probably saying so much news to this young man and he feels like my mom is just good. Like he literally starts some sentence. I know you're going to say no. And sometimes I feel bad about it. And I feel like maybe I wasn't there. Um, I work in a different time zone. And so it, it can just get busy when he gets back from school. So with what you just said, I should forgive myself. I should give myself grace and know that, um, but they always say that memories of kids, and I'm sorry, and I'm pushing this, but they say that memories of kids, like some of the things, you know how you some kids will grow up and say, and the reason why I did this is because they, I, I never get hugged. So mm-hmm. I, what's the difference in that that memory that remembers and the memory that you just described, like their memories, they will, you know, they'll remember every time. We need to realize that um, children are going through stress just like adults do. And stress mm-hmm. stores in mm-hmm. their bodies. There's normal stressors and there's long-time stressors. So long-time stressors are those things that will end up affecting them in the long run, those memories, quote-unquote, that will shape that child in some way. They have little or no control over, you know, 
those things in their lives. And that's why those things affect them so deeply. So the memories that I said will be will be made the next day. If they are like being hurried to an activity or they don't have too much time to watch TV or, you know, they have maybe they're afraid of dogs or something, those little things, those things, they, they move on from, they grow up, they outgrow them, those things, they change, you know, if they feel like maybe they have too much homework, schools, they, they change things in schools, they can change schools, those kinds of mm. stressors, those kinds of memories, those things can easily be, be moved or be changed over time, those things, the child can make new memories, you know, relationships with siblings, those kinds of things, you know, the oh, child okay. is not going to hold the fights that they fought with their siblings at two. They're not going to hold it against them when they are even three or four or, and so on. Oh, okay. But there okay. are long-term stressors which continue over a long period of time and the child has little or no control over them. Those are the memories I think that you're referring to. Things like a marriage breakup, divorce in the family, things like oh. a parent who was cold to them or maybe they were raised in an, uh, a relationship with their parents that wasn't a proper attachment. Maybe money problems in the home. Maybe you found that your parents were constantly arguing about money. They weren't listening to the things that you thought you needed. You know, things like that. High expectations that their parents or people around them have of them. The child okay. cannot control those expectations. So those are the kinds of long-term stressors that can put a child in a red light. You know, and when I say red light, mm. I mean a place where they have underlying issues in future as a result of those stressors they experienced in their childhood. Hmm. Mrs. Notch, mm. have we said that we collected brought the right guest? <laughs> <laughs> like that is like thank you, thank you, thank you, Petra, for actually clarifying that. I, ju- I it just was something that popped in what you said. Mm-hmm. And so um one of the things that I know, most of the listeners of this podcast series, Petra, are professional immigrants who are first time like first generation immigrants uh we brought ourselves here as adults our training is different i just told you myself and mrs not went to college together uh, our training is different the undertone of um it has an undertone of core skills like reading writing math skills um but i'm seeing here since i got here that the um to educate in the early stages, there are more skills and there are different methods um, than what we grew up knowing. And mm-hmm. uh, what uh, first I'll ask, I, I want Mrs. Not to speak on that more and then we ask you that question, like, what do you think we can do? And Mrs. Not, um, do you feel the same way? Like, I know, I know that my, my upbringing, I don't know if you grew up in North America when you were small, but my upbringing <laughs> from what I have no. here is just so different. Do you feel that way, Mrs. Notch? Yes, I, I absolutely do, Petra. I feel like, um, and um, Abisoye already knows this because we talk about it often. I feel like um, I'm, I'm going to try to put this in very simple Canadian terms. I feel like there isn't so much of an emphasis on the importance of formal education here in Canada. Now, I'm not saying kids don't go to school. Of course, we know that it's even better than the way it is in in Africa. But they, okay, let me put it this way. In Africa or back home in Nigeria, if a child has, first of all, they get homework almost every day, literally. They even get more homework during the holidays. Mm -hmm. But here in Canada, the teacher tells you there is no homework. That was the first rude shock for school for me. (laughs) 
for my son. And I, I kept insisting on homework. And when the they had a town hall in the school. I went there, I put up my hand, asked the question to say, what's going on in this school? There's no homework. What are they supposed to do when they get home? <laughs> and the principal, <laughs> the principal took the pains to explain that the reason why there's not, the homework is considered as unfinished business during classroom time. That So they only get homework if they were unable to finish it in the class. But that since they do a good work of finishing their work in school, there's no need to give them work for home. I was I was visibly shaking. I didn't even know how to cope with that. So I think they don't really, um, I don't want to use the word stress. They don't really emphasize, go to school, study hard and all of that. It's like, if you want to study, take it easy. You will learn it when you will learn it. There's no emphasis on getting certain <laughs> things done at a certain time. In fact, sometimes they even tell you if the child is having trouble with it, just let them take a break and sleep and play. And then when they're ready, you can reintroduce. And I'm like, what? That doesn't happen in Africa. <laughs> Studying is by force. School is hard work. It's, it's a big stressor, like you said. So how do we strike a balance with this? Can you please help us? You've been in Canada for a long time. So by now you understand the system. So please tell us if we are... Maybe we're overreacting. <laughs> How is it that no, you're, it's, you're not, not uh, it's not so much it's not so much wahala, if I can use that word, to study in Canada. They just take it easy. Yeah. Education is easy going here. Yes, that's what I've been trying to say. And we find that difficult to be concerned because our African mind thinks that if education is easy going, <laughs> it doesn't encourage children to be academically excellent. They're gonna be lazy and lackadaisical. So please. Tell us, as the pro, how do we handle this? Thank you. Um, it's very interesting that you mentioned that because that contrast between the African culture and the North American culture, it runs deeper than education. But let me not mm. get too, too deep into the cultural differences. But what I can tell you is that the Canadian system of education is run on research. So there's nothing that is being taught or pushed in classrooms, no way of thinking, that isn't based on research. The research has consistently shown that young children learn through play, through exploration, through manipulating mm. their physical environment, when they can really align their academic work with their interests, their individual strengths, and their learning styles. I honestly do not think that the Nigerian curriculum takes these things into account. I don't think it was based mm, I, on I research. I think it's just <laughs> cultural. I think it's just the culture well, of the extra. You know? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where they got this from, but I've been having lots of conversations with Nigerian educators to find out where we missed it. And you know, they are saying the same things. The teachers that are in the classroom right now is that when they employ a play-based learning module, a Montessori module, and other pedagogies from other countries, they're finding so much more progress than what really? when they employ the Nigerian curriculum. So we see here that the traditional approach to teaching and instruction, the one which the Nigerian um, system adopts, it rarely speaks to the whole child. In fact, we're finding that mm. the curriculum actually stifles not only the children, but the teachers themselves, because they are under this pressure just to reach milestones, just to get mm -hmm. their paychecks, just to show progress so that you know the principal and the teachers can see or the parents can see that the child knows something. Whereas when you come to Canada, you find that um, 
the information is being delivered to children in a way that centers around building up the child itself, not just giving you a cookie cutter child that can recite two times table, three times table. And, early education here boosts the child's imagination, their relevance, their creativity. And when you go to the workplace, when they are quicker older, these are the skills that stand out. It's not how well you can memorize information, but it's how well mm. you're, how good you are with critical thinking, how good you are with mm. problem solving, how good you are with managing your emotions, especially when you're in a high, highly stimulated environment, or you know, how well you are with participating in programs and excelling despite the odds. And that's what we strive to imbibe in children in early education in this part of the world. So that's why we don't focus so much on academics. Um, you would realize if you've had a kid who, um, well, I have, I know from you guys' background, your kids have come here when they're older. But I'll tell you that when they're in the early years, this the um, concentration is not so much on the academic, but it's more so on the child's physical, emotional, social, cognitive skills. And then they really begin to push those uh, ABCs and one, two, three when they get to grade one. So even Whoa. in kindergarten, they try what? to make meaningful learning opportunities. Meaningful opportunities is what they push in kindergarten. You know, you want to bring out the child's interests, strengths, their needs. Make sure their realities are taken into account because what they're trying to do is build a love for learning. That's hmm. what they're trying to do. And, and hmm. so what you just ended you? with, hmm. the love for learning. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah, yeah. But are I've been doing some Petra? research, Mrs. Knox. Hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm listening. I can hear Petra well. And she's just <sighs> helping me um, because I've been doing some research on homeschooling and stuff. Not like I'm going to. I don't know if I'm going to, you know, at one point start to homeschool. <laughs> I laugh. But I've been doing a lot of research on homeschooling and just trying to educate myself. And I get you, Petra, and I get what you're saying. I, I, I hear you. I literally hear you. But I'm also going to play... Um, the advocate here for someone who is listening and who is wondering, nice, Petra, thank you. I'm here now. I'm looking for your work. Hmm? I have three kids, all under age seven. And I am trying to help them to, you know, do better. And, and how can I even start to approach it? You've just mentioned the method. I agree. It's fine. It's different from where I'm coming from. I have to unlearn and learn some things. But how do I support the child coming from where I'm coming from? I'll give you an example. I was talking to a friend of mine. And, you know, we're talking about um, um, our, our grade one kids um, reading better. Um, my son mm -hmm. is in grade one. And I was like, okay, how can I get him read better? And I was talking to this friend and the person was like, oh, you know, the person's grade one was trying to, was struggling to spell something. And the person says, it's just four letter words. And I laughed and I said, oh, I'm even better than you because it's not four letter words. <laughs> it's actually about the vowels. Like there's a long vowel and a short vowel. And the person was just looking at me like, what are you, what are you even talking about? What are you like, so Petra, I, I know that I'm trying to get work. I'm trying to settle down, but I'm also trying to unlearn what are the tools, some of the tools that you would direct me to do, like direct mm -hmm. me towards so that I can start to educate myself and start to help this child 
be educated the way they're teaching them. Because like you said, I brought my son in here at age five plus. He's no more kindergarten, quote unquote, thanks to COVID. He couldn't even attend the kindergarten here. And, uh, you know, so how do I help this mm-hmm. child who is growing different? And I'm almost saying, how come you don't know how to spell girl? And he's, mm-hmm. they're doing long vowel mm-hmm. and short vowel. They're doing, it's totally different. What are some of the tools that you can um, share with us? Thank you. If um, if you find that your child is struggling with some of these or you're trying to make them understand some of these concepts, and even as a parent, you're trying to support them, the very first place you should go to is their teachers. We would be very surprised at how much their teachers want to spend time talking with us. And I know it's for an immigrant family, it can be very different. The relationship with teachers is very different from how it was in Nigeria. The teachers, mm-hmm. yeah, they are not judging you. They are not looking to, you know, make sure that you do this and this and that. They literally want to scaffold off what you already have going for your child. They want to make sure that there's a seamless relationship, you know, that learning is going seamlessly from home to school. So the very, very first place I'll tell you is the teacher. The teacher scaffolds the child's learning and brings a new level of understanding. So get into conversations with the teacher. Find out where, where your child is struggling with, you know, what their personality like is like in school because children are very different when they are not in front of us. So find <laughs> sure. out, you know, what are they struggling with? Where are they developmentally? What do you think I should be doing more with them? And then the teacher can kind of give you some insights. You will be surprised that half the time, the things that we are worried about and our expectations are completely off base from what our child is supposed to know at that time. You would sit down and talk to and the teacher will be like, Excuse me, nobody else in the class is reading right now. We're just working on phonetics or blending sounds. And it may be hard for a Nigerian to hear that because we have such mm-hmm. high expectations. We think yes. if a child is six, they should be, you know, reading chapter books and this. But honestly, it's not what is expected of them. It's not, you have to know what is expected of your child according to what the research has said is developmentally appropriate. Because it takes a lot of stress out of that relationship with the child. Your child will sense it that you're disappointed if they're not doing certain things that you mm. think you should be doing. So mm. we have to sit down oh with the gosh, teacher and know what is it my child is expected to know. Because imagine a child that is in school. The teacher is like, wow, good job. You're doing great. And then at home, the mother is like, no, do it again. You're not working hard enough. That is me. Oh my gosh. Am I really as good as my my teacher lying? You know, or is my mommy too harsh? You want your child to be very confident. If you want your child to be confident, you should have the star oneness of voice. You know, the child should be able to do anything and be like, yes, I did my best and my best was good enough. You know, so Mm. sit down with the teacher to find out exactly where the milestone is, what they should know, where they might be struggling. You know, if you come across things in the curriculum that you're not sure of, do your own research as a parent. You know, do your homework there to mm. kind of know, okay, what is this expected? What should this look like? And then you can know you can use tools like YouTube to look up videos on, you know, like let's take reading, for example, how to get phonetic awareness. You know that you shouldn't be pushing sight words so much, but you should get your child to understand, you know, the phoneme relationships, know how to sound out words. You can look up apps like Khan Academy, uh, ABC Mouse, Twinkle. There are lots of academic apps. But those things are useless if you don't know what to look for. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Mrs. Notch, you were saying something, but you were very low. You said you said something. I heard it, but I don't think it was loud. <laughs> Say it again, please. <sighs> Mrs. Notch? I'm right here. Uh-uh. <laughs> Petra, you Mrs. Notch quiet. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I feel really bad because I'm so guilty of what she just spoke about. And thinking about it now, mm-hmm. I feel even worse. Because when his teacher is teaching and because I try to listen in most of the time, sometimes I tell him, turn the volume up so I can hear it (laughs) from wherever I am. Sometimes he reads some words that, okay, so my biggest challenge with my seven-year-old now is reading. And it's been this way for the past two years. So um, when I hear him read some things, when they have guided reading, I feel like those are simple words that he should have mastered two years ago. And when he's done, his teacher says, good job, my friend. And I'm like, oh, oh." and then when it's his time to read at home, he reads something more difficult. Maybe like today he was struggling with much, M-U-C-H. And he said more, more, whatever. (laughs) And I was like, "Uh -uh." when you have C and H together and her, how do you, uh, sound that and he said sure I said good and then so I, I'm just trying to say he, he I have been really hard on him judging from what going by what you're saying I hear his teacher applaud him for things that I consider to be rudimentary and then I push him to do more and I don't even think I'm that generous with the praise so mm. okay so okay okay Give yourself some grace, Mrs. Notch. It sounds like you really want what's best for your child. So I just want, not really I that just want them to, to be smart, to be better better than me, to be, you know, yeah. ahead of their peers, you know, just like every parent. And mm-hmm. I feel like because I'm a like product every typical, of that. Typical Nigerian parents. I'm a product of the, I don't want to say the tough system. I'm a product of the tougher system. <laughs> the one that emphasizes the curriculum. Yeah, yeah, this is not just for learning. And that's what produced us. So I'm not saying we're bad, but I think we're doing okay. Although I'm wondering if we're all still recovering from our childhood. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what every African says. They say, well, if it worked for us, then why wouldn't it work for our kids? You know, we turned out okay. Well, you're not raising kids in the same time. Probably going to use it in, yeah. in, you know, when I'm advertising this. But yes, I had to hit the table. <laughs> oh, Petra, this is just us, and 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 the hardest trick, like you were saying, Petra. But Petra, please go go ahead with your thoughts. Please, let's let you know. Um, go ahead. So yeah, it's um we don't know everything. We contrary to what we think, we don't know everything, and everything that happened to us growing up is not what we should be pouring into our kids. Some things happen mm-hmm. to us, so we can know what not to do. So mm-hmm. how we relate to our children on their performance can really, really affect what they do in future. 
when the teacher is praising him for something small that he does, it's not because she's just, you know, trying to wash his head or whatever, but it's because she knows that it releases a positive response in his cognitive Mm. system. And when he feels good about himself, he does better. But if he feels criticized, he's much more, um, he's under much more pressure to perform. He may feel like he doesn't want to fail because he doesn't want to disappoint you. And you don't want to raise a people pleaser, you know. You don't want to raise Mm -hmm. a child that feels that, you know, they have to do everybody, Mm. makes people happy. So kind of just bear that in mind that, you know, how you react to them will affect their performance. Mm. Oh, Okay, so what you just said about people pleasing... (laughs) <laughs> yeah what you just said about people pleasing my son is someone that is highly like Petra it's it's amazing highly emotionally intelligent like he he literally watches like your face and tells you mommy are you okay like he would ask his teacher how are you doing today like you know he would ask questions that's just him normally okay so on Saturday for instance Sunday yeah on Sunday for instance we had to go to um a friend another kid's recital. And once I told him, oh, we're going to your friend's recital because I am trying to make him get engaged in piano. And I was like, okay, your friend is also doing piano. Let's go to his recital. And I slept off before the time. My son went ahead and drew a picture of the child. He drew like, he was like, he asked me, are there going to be other people there? So I'm like, yeah, it's going to be like other people. So he drew a picture of people sitting down. He drew the, he wrote the young boy's name, like Joshua, you rock. And then he, took a stick and was going to be excited to flash it. And I'm like, why should you even think of that? That's how he can be. Like, like he just wants to like, you know, support his friend. And I, I didn't tell him anything. And I, and, and so when you have a child like that, that is already, you don't even need to mask your disappointment and or mm-hmm. your how do you do it so that um you you're not raising the people pleaser because that's for me is because there's a flip side to that right there's a mm-hmm. flip side to that who wanted to make sure that oh everyone likes me and mm-hmm. so how do you deal with that especially here where he's probably the only brown kid in class and mm-hmm. you know having to deal with that Mm-hmm. It sounds like your son has really formed a very like good amount of self-esteem, and he shows pride in his own things, his own feelings, his own like the things he's able to achieve. So definitely encourage him to recognize and express his emotions, even the emotions that you don't want to see. Encourage mm. him to express them. Encourage that. Begin to integrate mixed emotions and space for mixed emotions in the house. If he knows it's a safe place to be angry, to be scared, to be ashamed, fearful, frightened, then he's less likely to just, you know, put up a smiley face or a brave face just to please people. So promote mm-hmm. reflection on circumstances that lead up to certain emotions. Like what happened? Why why were you playing the ball? Why did you fall? Why how did you feel when it happened? Did hmm. you do this? Identify the emotions he experienced. You know, it sounds like you were so excited. You know, when I'm excited, sometimes I I make mistakes and I act without (laughs) It looks like you're anxious. I can see you're biting your nails again. How are you feeling right now? You know, embrace every spectrum of emotion. Remember that the Mm. circumstances of an emotionally charged experience provide the information necessary to take care of that mixed emotion, whatever it is. Mm. Just so that he can handle his experience. Another one. Wait, wait, Petra, Petra, wait, wait, wait. We oh need my to God. bring Petra for we another one. We need to take a break. We need to take a break. <laughs> we need to take a break. <laughs> because... <laughs> 
whew, anyone listening, and to be honest, I always say that most of the conversations we have on Hangar with Abiso is it's totally unscripted. Petra, you know that I'm putting you on the spot. And Petra, it's not even, it, we're not even Gosh. in the conversation we thought we were going to be having. Gosh. But Petra is giving such wisdom that we need to drink water. Like, <laughs> we need My to hold Gosh. it. I'm, I'm actually, I'm literally fanning <sighs> myself with my palm. Yeah. Yes. So question, Petra, and, and, I'm, and I'm also doing this because I am telling you how I feel. <sighs> and I feel like it's, it's the same thing. Before I came about this topic, I was talking to a couple of other parents around me within the Nigerian community, within the African community. And I was watching just the reaction of how they were with their kids. I literally started asking questions about, oh, how do you feel about your kid on this? How do you feel? It was just subtle because I wanted to, I was trying to do my research for this. And Petra, while we're as immigrant parents trying to deal with all the other stuff we're dealing with work. So I'm at work, I'm trying to make sure that I'm, you know, making an impression at work and, and doing all of that. It's I'm wondering how I can be super intentional about mm-hmm. beginning to master my son's emotions. Because I'm probably right. saying, Guy, you are crying too much. Will you keep crying? Yeah, baby. Correct. <laughs> like, literally, Correct. You know. <laughs> So, and, and I'm telling you the honest truth, like, I'm, I'm wondering, why are you whining? Or he comes and says, there's something in my room. What's in your room? Blood of Jesus is here. Go, go sleep. What's in your room? Are you, you know? And, <laughs> and I'm saying this because I feel like a lot of us have, you know, we're dealing, we haven't even scratched the surface about being intentional. And one of the reasons mm-hmm. I came to this country, besides obviously thinking that this is also an assignment, is because I feel like I'm going to give my child an opportunity. But am I intentional enough? And, I, and I'm hoping that someone listening is actually thinking about what Petra, myself, and this is not just speaking about today. Like, are we intentional enough about, like, the emotions? We started with education, but we're now also thinking about the emotions. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why some of us are not even doing well in interviews. Like, our confidence is all done. That is true. Mm-hmm. You know, that's from how we grew up. Point. Very, very interesting point. And I, I always said it that the Nigerian culture, they raise you to be, you know, intelligent in the subject to which you know you're interested in engineering, medicine, law, but not emotional intelligence. Mm. When you have a baby, they Absolutely. tell you all the ways to take care of that child, but not emotionally. You know, mm. your mother-in-law comes for Omugo and she'll tell you, okay, do this, do that. But nobody tells you how to handle tantrums in a way that actually helps your child begin to recognize and express emotions appropriately. Absolutely. So very rudimentary work. It's work that has to be started at the ground level. And the best yeah. way, excuse me, the best way I can tell any parent to begin with is use empathy and perspective mm. taking to be able to help your child regulate their emotions and behavior. Mm-hmm. I know for mm-hmm. us as adults, it may seem ridiculous that a six-year-old child is afraid of that. It's a lie. You just don't want to go to sleep. But think exactly. about it on their own end of their own perspective. They've been in this world for six years and half of those six years they probably fell asleep cuddling or holding his coffee, sucking their thumb, mommy or daddy next to them. And then all of a sudden they are getting used to doing this big thing by themselves. So you really have to extend a certain amount of empathy and take it from their perspective. It may seem ridiculous that your child is struggling with a puzzle that should be easier but Give them the tools to express it. You know, say things like, I know this work is hard for me. I need to slow down. I need to find a solution. I need to find a peace. Encourage them to voice out what they are feeling throughout the day. And just give them a variety of strategies to regulate their emotions. Even the negative <sighs> emotions that we want to punish them for having. 
It's mm. so common in the African culture to punish a child. Why are you crying? Why are you angry? Are you supposed to be angry about that? Hmm. Are you, you know, you shouldn't punish children for being emotional or having emotions. It just damages their self-esteem. Okay. Oh. Petra. Oh. <laughs> and... Ah, okay. Like mm. you're, you're actually catching me, and Mrs. Notch, doing a lot of mm, because <laughs> because this is really interesting. And honestly, um, usually I I pride myself in saying that the podcast is about uh, thirty to forty minutes, and we're already on thirty six minutes. And you have scratched some surfaces that I feel like we're going to need resources for. And so I'm going to be coming to you, and I promise anyone who listens to this particular episode that I'm going to do better um, by collating a couple of resources, um, links, and stuff where you can learn more about this and also associate it with this podcast episode so that you can have it and also learn more. And so, yeah, we have a few more minutes, uh, but I think that we're, you know, hmm. Okay. <laughs> I don't even have words. Swimming and hive. Yes, I'm sighing so much because we we I, we. This is not where we thought we we're going to go to, but this mm-hmm. is very good. Like this is stuff I know I'm dealing with, and I know a lot of people who are listening to this are going to be dealing with, and are already dealing with in their homes. And so that's why I'm. And so this is yeah, this is as real as it gets for myself and Mrs. Notch. Like. Petra, you heard Mrs. Not talking before we came on board, right? Can you imagine mm-hmm. how silent she is now? She's so quiet. I'm like, is it the same person? <laughs> she's there. She's just well, taking it in because this I'm, is a topic, I'm, like I said. Yeah, I'm go talkative, ahead. but I am quiet when I'm most inspired. Let me put it that way. Okay. So when I have, okay. when so I have she's, bouts she's of most inspiration, inspired. I'm actually very quiet because I need to unpack it and I need to download it. And a lot of things that I, I came to this podcast to get solutions to help me as a parent to harness the potentials of my child and get my children actually, and get the best out of them. But (laughs) most importantly, what I've heard today is that the change I seek begins with me. I need to unlearn Mm. literally everything (laughs) that I've been carrying. (laughs) I need to set my expectations to the level of reality and not my personal aspirations for my children. I need to listen more to how they feel. I need to encourage them to express all of their feelings, including the negative ones, that I like to punish. I heard that loud and clear. You, you came straight for me in that. I need to encourage them mm. to express all of those emotions in the home, in our home, as a safe place. So my children should be able to come home and cry and be angry and say exactly how they feel. I need to be more gracious to them as a parent. I need to be more forgiving. I need to get to the root cause look at it from their perspective and find out why they are reacting that way and not react to the tantrum because the tantrum has a root cause. I need to get tools and resources that help me to be the best parent I can be now, not the parent that my parents were to me. <laughs> mm. And um, exactly. 
I need to encourage a love for learning because I'm a, I'm, I'm an academic. So I'm a textbook kind of person. I'm that kind of person that said, you know, there was something you said that you came for me again and you didn't know. I mentioned, I, I scratched at it when I mentioned when his teacher asked him to read. When I ask him to read something and he has trouble with it, actually the specific word that I use is again. <laughs> and that's what you said. Again, no, again. <laughs> that's what I say. Again, again. And he's stressed. I see it. My older son is stressed when I do that. But I think, oh, you're being lazy. Come on, buckle up. You can do this. You know this. I've Petra, all you have helped me to achieve today, not all is, is a lot, is that I myself need to set myself on the right track before I'm able to set my children on the right track. For me, this is a light bulb moment, several light bulb moments, actually. Um, like pow, 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 pow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm beyond inspired. I have a lot of homework to do. <laughs> I have a lot of homework to do and... I am I com I'm gonna from today I'm gonna commit to being a better parent. The first work is myself. Mm. That mind work, that re-engineering mm. of me, right? And my expectations mm. so that I can truly allow my children to flourish. Because whatever it is that I've been doing, it's not working or it's not working enough, right? <laughs> That's mm. why we're looking for solutions. Mm. So I see now that the problem is not with my children. The first problem is with me. So thank you for for shining the spotlight on me <laughs> and showing me that the work begins <laughs> with me and that and and for educating me also because I've gotten that a lot in this podcast. Educating me that <laughs> I really have a lot to do. And these are clearly these are different times. We already knew that, but our strategies and our approach also has to be different. And I'm really interested in raising the kind of children that you described, right? not the kind of children that are shy and, and are people pleasers and are coward mm -hmm. and, uh, and are just, you know, mm -hmm. academically bright, but all other areas mm -hmm. poor. So thank you so much, Petra. Mm. I am truly grateful for this podcast. Okay. On that note, it sounds <laughs> On like that note. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Notch... <laughs> I feel humble. You're, you're very welcome. I, I feel very humble to have been able to you know, speak on these issues. And I'm glad that you've gotten something out of it. I'm really glad, glad that I've um, been worthy of your time and imparting this knowledge on you. I'm really and it's really not just Mrs. Nudge, Petra. I can assure you, and I, and, I, and I can sense that in my spirit, that this, is, this, this conversation is what a lot not just us, a lot of immigrant parents need because um, most materials out there addressing um, professional immigrants is always about the work, the this, the that, the mm -hmm. but for us on this particular podcast, we have five teams in becoming a wholesome professional immigrant. And the teams that I always say to people for me are fate, family, career, community, and support systems. And on the family, obviously, my kids come on the family. And I want to make sure that they're wholesome. So I was mm -hmm. always thinking about the wholesome professional immigrant. But you, you've just really, ex like, you've unpacked to us what we should be looking at in terms of actually bringing up wholesome children. Mm -hmm. um, the Bible says that we are stewards, and we don't even, like... We, we're just supposed to lead them and guide them. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and to that person that they are supposed to be in life. And so I have enjoyed this conversation with Petra and Mrs. Notch much more than you can imagine. And I can imagine that, you know, other people listening are also taking out their pens and, and staring their hearts towards those things. Mm. Don't be too hard on yourself, like Petra has said. Um, we are rooting for you. You've got this. You can do this. It sounds, it sounds really foreign. It also can also make you feel a little depressed. And, you know, that might be the first feeling, but let that inspire you. So, Petra, um, yes. Mrs. Not doesn't like me saying these words. When I say, what are your <laughs> final words? The African in Mrs. Not will say, I'm not saying closing final remarks. words. I'm not dying. But closing remarks. Exactly. What are your closing remarks on this lovely episode? Um, lovely. And I just want you to end it Absolutely for us lovely. while we just wrap this up. Um, closing remarks. Um, the child is like a seed, you know. You pour in whatever it is you can. You give them the right environment, the right nurturing. And whatever you put nurture and time and love into, you know, will blossom. So whatever mm. you're planting is what you're going to receive. 10 and 30 and 60 and 100 fold. So there's no need comparing. You know, it may happen for another child in two years and it may happen for another child in eight years. There's no need comparing. Not every seed, the amount of time it takes beans to germinate is different from apples. So know mm. that whatever you're planting is going to come forth in its own time. Just do your own due diligence. And by God's grace, be intentional in your things, in your doing, in your listening, in your emotional intelligence, in the time you spend with your kids. Be intentional in that and just pour as much into them. Keep learning, mm. unlearning, and relearning. And there's no mm. way you won't reap. There's no way. Okay, I don't have any other thing to say. We have ended. <laughs> Close. Collect offering. Can we go? So, um, dear listeners that has listened to this podcast, I pray, and, and that's just what I, I really feel like I should do. I pray that these conversations that you've heard stirs up something on the inside of you to just want to you know, be intentional and just gives you so much encouragement to want to follow through with your children. And above everything that, you know, the Lord crowns all your effort with joy and grace and results, which is, you know, this beautiful, awesome children that we that we have, that we love so much and that we are trying our best to do stuff for. And I, I just, this has just been a very beautiful episode and I'm going to stop talking. Thank you all. Please do feel free to reach out to us, um, myself and Mrs. Nott. And I think that Petra is also wanted, going to want to know the feedback on this conversation. Do feel free to reach me, uh, send an email, hang out with Abisoe, one word, at gmail.com. Um, make comments wherever you listen to this. And also on this podcast series, kindly subscribe, like, and share with your friends um, within the professional immigrant community that you're already in. With that, I will close. Thank you, Mrs. Notch, um, for always being there and, you know, always having these conversations with me. And um, most especially, thank you, Petra, for coming on board tonight. On that note, good night, everyone. Bye. Bye. You're most welcome. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. (laughs) Bye.